Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Radio family, good morning. It is very nice to be back with you. Nice to have the weekend return and likewise for our public affairs show. Welcome to the weekend edition of Community Focus. Heard in our intercom stations, a wonderful opportunity to gather together again as a radio family and as community to get the word out and talk about good things taking place in our communities. Now, she's not a newbie anymore, even though Dr. Pam Oliver, the first time we spoke, that was months ago. I think it was back in April. You serve as the executive vice president and president of Novon Health Physician Network. First of all, good morning and welcome back to the program, family. How have you been? Good morning, Renee, and thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here to talk to you today, and I've been doing well, and I hope that you and all of your listeners have as well. A lot has changed yes. since April. It happened since April. A lot may not have changed right. since April. So. <laughs> very true, very true. And and just to refresh uh, what took place with our conversation back in April, and I am so happy that you are doing well We were talking about at the time health disparities among African-Americans and what many of us were facing related to COVID-19. And this was right around the time when this pandemic was, I guess, for lack of a better phrasing, brand spanking new to us Uh as far as I'm sure for you in, in the healthcare field and just for us in general as community But again, I just want to say kudos to you and to commend you and all of our healthcare essential workers who are still in the fight for this, because even though a few months have passed, we're still dealing with this major pandemic. Well, thank you. We have an incredible team, and I think that there's something um, about our drive and and submission for anyone who goes into healthcare that... um, Although these are challenging times, um, you know, I'm really uh, just happy and, and, and proud of our teams for rising to the occasion to take care of the community. Absolutely. And if I could be the voice for the community for our public affairs show this morning, I will extend a thank you from all of us for what you have done and what you are continuing and will continue to do. Well, I am so happy to have you back, Radio Family, because we are going to uh, Dr. Oliver discuss for our conversation today a very as equally important topic and this happens to deal with infant mortality and the fact particularly in these times of which we're living in there's still a direct correlation of sorts and I'm thinking in terms of the impact that this likely is having especially as we're in the midst 
of COVID-19. So I wanted to start our conversation by asking you this question. You happen to be the chair of the Forsyth County Infant Mortality Coalition. Can you give us a little background? Tell us what the coalition is all about. Yes, I have pleasure. This is my, going into my second year of chairing this coalition that's been Great. in place for a decade um, and really came to be out of an awareness of the fact that Forsyth County has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the state um, and that North Carolina has a higher infant mortality rate than many other states. Um, and what we're talking about here is infant mortality is when our babies die before their first birthday, which is heartbreaking and unfathomable in so many ways. Um, and this coalition came together to explore, educate, um, and develop uh, any type of, of um, initiatives, whatever we could do to try to impact this, to save our babies is, is what our annual walk is about. Um, the coalition educates, we educate the community about how to prevent infant death. Mm-hmm. Um, we advocate about policy changes, um, engage uh, our legislators and um, business communities, because this is something that is a community-wide problem. Um, it's influence, like we've seen with these health disparities related to COVID mm-hmm. and all the other awareness. This social, economic, and medical is not just something that we can solve um, solely within the medical community. Exactly. And, and beautifully said. And thank you for, for that wonderful explanation of it. The obvious next question is, why is this campaign so necessary, particularly for us as a community, as we are engaging in our conversation today? Well, I think that it goes back to the heart of, you know, we, we want, we think a lot about um, the lives that we live as adults, but every child deserves a healthy start. And every family that um, has chosen to add um, a child to their family deserves to have a happy outcome, or we should minimize right. what we can when it comes to those that are affected. And over the past 10 years, there have been 450 families in Forsyth County that have been impacted by losing a baby before the first birthday. And even though those rates go up and down, we see the inequity in those outcomes. Um, we know that the, the leading causes in Forsyth County and, and through most counties, mm-hmm. prematurity, uh, low ba- birth weight at birth, unsafe uh, sleeping habits, and sudden infant death syndrome. And, and that health inequity, that shows itself in that in the last five years, we've had 182 infant deaths in Forsyth County, and 44% of those have been um, African-American babies. And we make up 25% of the population of Forsyth County. Wow. So, mm-hmm. you know, truly highlights that there is a there is a discrepancy here um, that isn't often um, it isn't explained by just looking at how many prenatal visits or um, what someone's socioeconomic status is a right. complex issue. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that, Pam, because I was thinking about that, even though this is a, a disparity that we can focus on when we do the breakdown and how this is impacting largely our African-American communities, this really impacts all communities and really families from all walks of life. But I love the fact that we're having this dialogue because I wanted to interject this question before we go to our, our first break of the morning, particularly for you being someone who is part of Novon Health's Physician Network, especially now as it relates to to COVID-19, how important is it, especially for 
expecting mothers, and I particularly want to focus on our young expecting mothers who are likely going to be a mother or parents who are becoming parents for the first time. How important is it to really focus on the need of taking care of at the utmost when it comes to prenatal care for the baby? Incredibly important because there's a lot of education. It's not just about, we're not prescribing medications necessarily, but we're able to pick up on um, maybe some health issues or complications with the pregnancy that can help that pregnancy go closer to the due date that can prevent this. Um, There's a lot of education that we do Mm -hmm. um, related to not just during the pregnancy, but once the baby's born and breastfeeding and the effects there and connecting our um, moms with resources. So um, for us, access and and our our, our need to make sure that every woman has access physically to a um, provider or a team to take care of them and us advocating for coverage, insurance coverage for so that we can remove that barrier. But we then need all those moms and the families Mm -hmm. to um, make sure those moms get to that care. Exactly, because Pam, I was thinking, though, even though this this may be unprecedented times for a lot of us as families, it's also an exciting time for a lot of families as well, and especially for those expecting moms. And I'm just so elated when I either hear or see uh, stories about moms delivering babies for the first time. And of course, it's a unique time because these are our children born during a major pandemic. But thankfully, a lot of these babies are are coming into the world healthy and we would certainly want it to continue to be the case. Exactly. It's the happiest day of many people's lives. And we, and we want to, that to be just the start of a, of a happy life and a, a successful, uh, healthy life for the baby, too. Absolutely. I think this is an excellent uh, stopping point for the first half of our conversation. When we do come back, uh, Dr. Oliver, I wanted to focus on, and this is likely a word or an acronym that many of us, as far as our radio family tuning in here to the weekend edition of Community Focus, we have heard of the word SIDS. S-I-D-S. Some of us may know that it stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, but I look forward to getting more of the particulars and the importance of why we need to focus on this particular situation within families and what we can do, the necessary precautions and steps that we can take if this happens to be a situation that a family is dealing with. So will you come back and and spend some time with me for the second half of our program? Absolutely. Happy to. Thank you very much. And so happy to have you back, Radio Family. It, It is good to have your return and likewise for you, Radio Family. Thank you so much each and every weekend for being here on our intercom stations. You are listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus with me, Renee Vaughn and family, Dr. Pam Oliver. We will return right after this break. And we do return. It is the weekend edition of Community Focus. Thank you, likewise, for returning with us, radio family, here on our intercom stations. Great company, as always, as we do return with our public affairs show to get the word out and talk about good things taking place in our communities and certainly the information that is being shared this morning and a huge thanks to the executive vice president and president of Novant Health's Physician Network. Dr. Pam Oliver rejoins me 
Renee Vaughn. And, and Dr. Oliver, before the break, I wanted to, as we continue in our great conversation this morning, I was talking about SID, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. This is a word that many of us have heard but might not understand. What exactly, number one, is SIDS? And secondly, how can we prevent SIDS death? So that's a great question. I think it is important for everyone to understand because there are a lot of misconceptions and myths related to SIDS. So um, as you mentioned, SIDS stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Sometimes people refer to it as crib death, Um, but it generally is when a a baby dies during sleeping hours. Um, You know, we don't know exactly what causes SIDS. We do know that it's not contagious. It's not caused by vaccines, and that it in and of itself is not a sign of child abuse, that there is necessarily neglect or anything else that, that um, has led to SIDS in many cases. Yeah. But we do know that there are um, there, that an emphasis on safe sleeping habits has been shown and can reduce the chances of a baby dying of SIDS. Now, Dr. Oliver, uh, this is sort of an aside question, and, and please forgive me if I, if I kind of not necessarily throw things off track, but in listening to that, do you have any knowledge or record going back to how long exactly has SIDS been around? How long has the the medical community been able to either uh, record it in its records? Do you know the origins is probably the better question to ask as to where or how SIDS came about or was developed? That's a great question, Renee. So I don't know um, history-wise. I, can, right. I don't know that I can recall the exact history of SIDS. It's been a, we've, we've had knowledge of it for um, decades, though. Okay. So it's okay. nothing new. It's not something from right. you know, even since the 2000s. Um, we, we've been aware that there have been babies that had unexplained deaths. Yeah. Um, and uh, have uh, so even the work with the Infant Mortality Reduction Coalition um, over a decade ago focused on safe sleep. Um, So it has been at the forefront um, for infant mortality for decades now. Wow. I think I just gave us, I guess, a little homework or research assignment (laughs) for both of us, if if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Because I was thinking, too, uh, and we likely may get into this a little later on in our conversation, because is there not an importance in which for new mothers, a, a certain sleep position that the baby should be placed in? when he or she is in their crib or just, exactly, yes. yeah, that is the big emphasis is that there are some basic principles about how to make sure our babies are sleeping safely, safely. So we, um, an easy way for your listeners and the radio family, I'm so excited to be part of the radio family. Thank you. Um, we are too. To remember, this, to remember this is ABCs. So the A stands for alone. It is important that babies do not share the bed with mom and dad or grandparents, whomever. As convenient as it may seem and as as, um, natural as it may seem, we see this each year in our community where babies actually die from suffocation accidentally. And it is. You know, as adults, we're big. We um, have. Uh, we may not be as aware when we're asleep of what our position, um, how our position impacts exactly. babies, right. and so babies need to be alone in their cribs or bed um, or, or whatever bedding, uh, without additional blankets, um, toys, mm-hmm. bumpers, anything else there. So no the obstruction. Baby, 
no obstruction, yeah. no obstruction. Yeah. That could lead to smothering, accidental smothering for the right. baby. Right, because I was thinking uh, too, Pam, and I thought you gave such an excellent illustration or point in that as adults, we, we of course are twice the size of, of a baby. But I was thinking too, like you said, our sleeping habits. I know for me personally, I'm a tosser. And it, it takes me a little bit of time to find that mm, that perfect spot right. or position to sleep. And sometimes when you do have that tendency to roll over, particularly, you know, a certain uh, time or point of the night when our bodies are very tired, our minds are very tired. And sometimes we may forget sometimes because we may have, for instance, I know when when our family uh, still had a a pet we we had a dog and you know for most dog lovers or pet lovers in general the pets sleep in the bed with us but then sometimes when we roll over it's the fact of course the animal will give a little yelp or whatever to let us know hey i'm here sometimes babies can't do that especially very small ones when we're talking about infant babies in this case and you just described like that's what an accident is it's not something that we intend to happen exactly um the outcome here is so tragic that we just can't afford to take that chance. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what, Pam, you actually answered my next question, which was going to be, and feel free to elaborate, though, on others, examples of some uh, safe sleeping habits. You did actually touch on that. So let me ask you this. Is it really safe for a baby to sleep on their back before they are able to roll over? Absolutely, it is. And that's the B. So the A was alone. Right. B is back and C is in the, in a crib or a separate sleeping, sleeping space. Um, but yes, it, that is the safest sleeping position for babies. Um, a lot of parents, I'll tell you, this is one of those things that even as a mom, I had to work my way through all the advice I get because right. that's where the danger comes in as a new parent. You get an incredible amount of, of advice from very experienced people and some mm-hmm. of it is useful stuff. And sometimes you have to weed through the, do I, do I believe this or do I trust the medical community and the, um, my doctors or midwives or whomever who have, or pediatricians who advise me this, but yes, it is safe. Parents get worried about babies that might choke on their back. Um, that is, that is not a, um, that is not an issue, um, that they should be concerned about or that would make them put their baby in any other position. Mm -hmm. Um, this, an example too of how guidelines do change over time. I mean, when I had my my um, first babies, I had twins first, so my um, two. I had lots of friends and and others who said, "Well, my baby slept on their stomachs their whole, you know, they were little and right. nothing happened to them." And that's what we call anecdotal um, experience. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's one of those things where yes, we could get away with it, right? It may like you know maybe I did. Maybe when I was a baby, I slept on my stomach. And mom says you turned out okay. You'll hear that, right? Right. But exactly. We can't ignore. We can't ignore that we have babies every year that die because of suffocation because of this. And so there are ways to. Um, there are ways to get around this. If you're worried about the baby's head flattening in the back, which I hear, um, mm-hmm. that's why pediatricians recommend tummy time uh, during the day to take the babies off of their backs and do tummy time. Okay. Um, you actually can, as you put the baby on the back and the head kind of um, sometimes will turn to the side, you can alternate which side the baby's head is turned towards. Right. Um, 
so just the head. So um, this is one of those times where really we want to make sure that the entire community supports the mom. So if you're a grandmother, you're a caretaker out there, yeah. you know, please support these recommendations um, instead of going off of the way things may have been 50 mm-hmm. years ago. And thank you for mentioning that. I mean, we, we love our relatives. We, we love our friends to pieces. But, yeah, it, it's really necessary that even though, like you said, uh, based on maybe family history or how we came up, it's the the importance of what's taking place now. Because the wonderful thing about you being in the position that you're in is that every day, likely, Dr. Oliver, of course, new information is coming in and information that can provide additional safety and continued improvement when it comes to raising our children, because every generation is going to be different. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So going back to what you said before, let's focus particularly on on black families, Pam, who are disproportionately impacted by infant mortality. Is that a national trend? It is, unfortunately. Um, I mentioned that for Forsyth County, you know, 44% of the babies that died over the last five years were African American. Mm-hmm. And across the nation, um, consistently, we see a similar trend where um, uh, black babies are affected more than um, Caucasian babies when it comes to infant mortality. Um, they, they, we, we researched this uh, a lot to try to figure out, to weed out those, what are the things, the factors that we can, um, that are at play. And right. there are, many. Um, One thing that recently hit the news uh, was a study that showed that uh, black babies, the the mortality rate, the infant mortality was lower when moms were cared for by African-American physicians or midwives. And um, as I mentioned, you know, we we don't, we don't, there's a lot of diving into that data that we would need to do. um, But some of what this is hitting at is the importance of us having a diverse workforce. Right. The importance of that healthy start has to do with, you know, the delivery and the care itself. Mm-hmm. And mom, mom's being seen, mom's being heard, um, that then they are more likely to uh, either, you know, follow advice or that maybe just the whatever the treatment is, is seen through a different lens. And um, so we can get those babies to be, not, you know, to one, be born closer to due date, not right. be premature, mm-hmm. get the birth weight, or monitor the birth weight. Those are very important for infant mortality. And maybe that's what's playing out here. But that's why a lot, so many of us are focusing on what our workforce looks like, whether it's the physicians and the midwives and recruiting and retaining, um, you know, highly capable beings who can take care of our communities and look like our communities. Right. And then all the support around that, whether it's lactation consultants and nursing, um, because we are seeing that it makes a difference. Wonderfully said. And, you know, Pam, that makes me think of speaking of physicians and there are likely some that you can recall and members of our radio family. There was a time where you had that one physician, that one doctor that not only delivered your parents, but they delivered you. And likely some are delivering their children. So it's like when, when you have a family doctor, he or she is really that. A doctor who knows two or three or four generations of the same family. 
so much has changed there. You're right. Yeah. And, and I, when I came to Winston-Salem, I mean, there's some, I would say they're historical figures, even though they're, you know, still, some of them are still here with us. Um, exactly. But, you know, there were those doctors that took care of the family. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that all the progress that we, you know, have, have made over time and, you know, look, our hospitals weren't integrated for a while. And right. now our hospitals are exactly. So much has changed, even in healthcare related to the demands. And so we do get more group practices um, where you, you may not necessarily have that. Um, you have that same uh, feel. Right. The important thing, we want to make sure that, one, we have people on our team who, you know, do represent the community um, from a racial ethic standpoint. But also it's important for us to dive deep with our teams on what we call implicit bias. Mm-hmm. So whether you are an you know, African American, uh, um, Caucasian, uh, Asian physician who's taking care of a patient that you understand where your own biases may be affecting the care that's given. Even if you're, I mean, implicit means you're not aware of it, right? right. So we constantly are doing the work to try to take this out of the equation. But it is it's deep work, and it takes the entire community, um, uh, you know, support for this. Absolutely, Pam, and that's where the focus lies. I want to take this opportunity to welcome those of you who may be joining us. Thank you so much for your great company, as always, and equally so, the company of members of our Community Focus family. You are listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus here on our intercom stations. Dr. Pam Oliver joins me, Renee Vaughn, and Dr. Oliver, again, is the Executive Vice President and President of Novon Health's Physicians Network. Now, Dr. Oliver, here's the next question I wanted to ask you, if we can go into detail with this. What's the role of maternal health in this conversation we're having today? So the the health of the mom directly impacts the health of the baby probably more than anything else. Um, you know, we emphasize, and, and one of the Infant Mortality Reduction Coalition's campaigns from about four or five years ago was around um, preconception care, mm-hmm. making sure that we come into pregnancy healthy. Um, pregnancy is a complex time, and we take it for granted sometimes. I think we think it's a cakewalk, you know, because you right. see you see women who breeze through it. Um, but it is important for our moms to one, if you're considering getting pregnant, if you're not on anything for birth control and could get pregnant, then we first optimize our own health because that makes a big difference. And one, are we able to carry the pregnancy to the due date or do we have complications because of some pre-existing health conditions that may make the, you know, baby have an uphill battle and a higher risk for infant mortality. Um, So that at its core, you know, is important. And we talked about there's some health disparities there that as a community we need to dive into so why is it that our moms, African-American moms, may have more high blood pressure or diabetes mm-hmm. coming into pregnancy? So that's one factor of it. And then, you know, once you're pregnant, I mean, there we have a collaborative across the state called the Perinatal Quality Collaborative in North Carolina. And that initiative is to improve the birth experience for moms and babies, you know, and most hospitals in the state participate in it so we can use the data to understand how to improve the quality. Um, because, you know, we talked a lot about infant mortality here, but the the risk of dying as an African-American mom, the mom dying as a result of pregnancy um, is three to four times higher for um, African-American women than it is black women. Um, it's a rare 
instance. So we don't lose a lot of moms, and, and so the, we don't have the, uh, in, in Novant Health, I would say, we don't have those numbers to say there's a trend towards one reason or another. Right. So we have to look at what happens across the entire nation or the state. Um, but that, that uh, risk of dying is not related to socioeconomic status mm-hmm. or education. Mm-hmm. And that's what hurts is that as an as a African-American physician, my risk of dying because of pregnancy complications could be as high as a, a Caucasian high school dropout. And that doesn't, all the things we talked about as far mm-hmm. as access and mm-hmm. me even being, you know, understanding what I need to do or being yes. willing and motivated to take care of myself may not impact that. And Pam, I really appreciate you stressing the importance of our health, especially for those of us who are expecting mothers, because this also makes me think of, and please feel free to expand on this. I'm thinking because we are in or still in the midst of a major pandemic as relates to COVID-19, I believe I may have had this conversation with you or perhaps a conversation with another colleague of yours and Dr. Cherie Gregory in terms of the fact that there should not be a hesitation in continuing in your health care, the importance of it in the midst of COVID-19, because that could be something that really may have some moms thinking, well, there's a virus out there. I don't want to get infected. I don't want my unborn baby to be affected. So that may deter that mom from seeking the necessary uh, prenatal care by going to their physician, by going to their hospital. How important is it for moms who, who are expecting, and just moms in general who are listening, the importance, especially if they are planning on having a baby, the, the, the importance of really continuing with, with the checkups and the visits and being in constant conversation with their physician. It is, it is incredibly important, and I don't think I can stress it enough. I mean, we, so I can say at Novant Health, and I can say because we collaborate with so many health systems and practices across the state right. that we have done the work to make sure that our clinical spaces are safe. Right. You know, we have done everything to try to, you know, when we don't have outbreaks or people who are being exposed within our clinical space because we are doing those, doing the safe practices with masking and cleaning and, and minimizing the time that our, our patients are around each other or other or our teams. So we have made those spaces safe so you can get the care you need because there's some things you just can't afford to take that risk with. Exactly. And um, you know, we have offered, we still offer telehealth or virtual visits for certain um, visits, even during pregnancy. There's some visits that can be done um, with a camera and your um, you know, provider or midwife. And so we've embraced that even. And so we've done all that we can to try to make this as um, as as easy and reassuring to people that they can get it. But the problem is, you know, if we don't, and this goes whether it's prenatal care and with those of those who may have chronic disease or illnesses like diabetes or high blood pressure, the not paying attention to it can lead to something down the road that we can't see yet, right? It doesn't hurt now. So we don't pay attention to it. And we know that in another year or two, when we come out of this pandemic, those who are um, not 
paying attention to and, and um, developed in the way that they may have a year ago, we're going to start to see those complications. Yeah. And so yeah. this is one of those things where we have the benefit of knowing that that is the case and we can avoid it. So you can get prenatal care and you can take care of your other um, medical concerns if you have them so that we can stay healthy. Beautifully said, Pam, because I was thinking too, you know, we're, we're transitioning slowly, but in many regards, likely effectively with the reopening phase that that is taking place in and around our state because at one time everybody was quarantined and it was you know the importance of staying put but now that we're getting out and about a little bit more than where we were a little over six months ago still the importance of making sure that that the proper checkups and visits are still taking place as well i tell you dr oliver time always flies when we're engaged in great conversation, my final question for you for the day, as this has really been such a educational topic of discussion, and I so appreciate you coming back on the program to talk about this with our listeners. When we talk about motherhood, when we talk about bringing life into the world, it's it's a wonderful time for many But sadly, it also can be a time in which infant and maternal deaths are obviously difficult topics for families to manage. How can we as a community support our loved ones? Where do we start in situations like that? Well, Renee, I'll say first, um, you know, you are playing a big role here just by bringing awareness and by educating um, your Uh, radio community, um, radio family. So, you know, this three months of September, October, November are all dedicated in some way to this issue. And so I think that for those who are listening, try to educate yourself as much as you can on these major topics so that you can help your loved ones. Um, and, And they're our future, right? These babies are our future. We need them to be healthy. So September was National Infant Mortality Awareness Month. October SIDS Awareness Month, and November Prematurity Awareness Month. And the first thing we can all do is emphasize to our moms, as you just mentioned in that last question, prioritize your health. Do not delay your appointments. Um, Do the things, you know, help provide that that education and and support around stopping smoking and healthy diet and exercise Mm -hmm. and all the things that we really want. Embrace, I would say, we say it takes a village, you know, use your village and and make it a healthy village in that way. Um, And then other things for moms who either are, if you're pregnant now or you are considering getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to take childbirth education classes and and um, new baby classes. I'll, many of those are offered either free or for very uh, minimal prices. Many of them have converted now to virtual to make it easier right. um, for our patients. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for us in Forsyth County, we are blessed to have a um, Family Connects program where we send a nurse out to any any home where a baby was born mm-hmm. and they reside in Forsyth County. We've exp- extended it now even to Davidson and hope to extend it more. And I would say if you are a mom and you have the opportunity to and are offered for that nurse visit, 
please take it because the um, education, that extra TLC mm-hmm. um, to help you and your baby get off to a good start is priceless. Um, and, it, and it costs you nothing um, except your time, which I think in this case is well worth it and pays off. Absolutely, Pam, because it makes me think of, you know, for, for those of us, where whether we're parents or grandparents, remember those good old days when we actually got the home visits from our doctors and nurses. I believe they used to call those house calls <laughs> back That's in right. the day. That's right. Yes, That's yes. Right. Well, what an excellent way to bring our conversation to a close. So, you know, with me, Dr. Pam Oliver, no goodbyes just until next time when we can engage in another wonderful conversation such as this. And I just want to say thank you because I don't do this alone. The information that we are able to share with our radio family, it's a community effort. And I just really appreciate individuals like yourself, the passion that you have, the love that you have for communities and in being able to share this information. I'm just thankful we have a platform such as this that allows us to do so. So radio family, until that next time, Dr. Pam Oliver, it was great talking to you again. Thank you, Renee, for being part of our village and for using your platform in such a remarkable way. Wonderful. And I look forward to us using that platform again very, very soon. And Radio Family, as always, I, too, extend a huge thank you for the good things you're doing in our communities. Please continue to keep up in that great work. And as I say, please continue to do it as safely as possible. Yes, we still must social distance. We still need to wear our mask. We still need to wash our hands. And all that it takes for us to continue to be safe. So indeed, until that next time, thank you for the great company that will bring to a close another weekend edition of Community Focus here on our intercom station. So until that next time, do enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of this weekend. Everyone take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.